This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Friday, September 23rd. Coming up, why is a public university in Kansas laying off tenured faculty? Plus, Missouri parents angry about inappropriate books called the police on a school library. But first, some headlines. A Jackson County jury has found 84-year-old Raytown businessman David Youngerman guilty of first-degree murder and armed criminal action in the killing of 39-year-old Kansas City attorney Tom Pickert. Youngerman fatally shot Pickert on the lawyer's front lawn in 2017. Prosecutors argued that Youngerman had a vendetta against Pickert because Pickert won a lawsuit against Youngerman that year. A jury ruled that Youngerman had to pay Pickard's client nearly $6 million, but Youngerman refused to pay and later drove by Pickard's house in a white van and shot him. Youngerman will be sentenced on November 18th. BNSF Railroad is seeking to force Amtrak passengers who were injured in a June derailment in Missouri to arbitrate their claims. KCUR's Carlos Moreno reports. About 15 passengers and next of kin of three passengers who were killed sued the railroad in Cheriton County. But BNSF says because they checked off a box on their tickets agreeing to arbitrate their claims, they are precluded from suing the railway. The derailment occurred after the passenger train collided with a dump truck at a crossing that had no warning lights or crossing arms. Four people died, including the driver of the truck. The Jackson County Legislature has agreed to pay $405,000 to settle two discrimination lawsuits by longtime employees of the Jackson County Detention Center. KCUR's Zach Perez reports. The suits brought by Charlotte Harden and Linda Hengel concerned metal detectors at the jail, which were triggered by the women's underwire bras. The women complained of sexual discrimination because they were required to remove their bras when entering the jail, but were not allowed to pass their undergarments through the x-ray machine. In contrast, male employees were allowed to remove their belts and put them through the machine. Hardin and Hengel also allege they face retaliation and harassment after they complain. Hardin will receive $255,000 as part of the settlement, and Hengel will receive $150,000. It's now a crime in Missouri to provide students with visual depictions of genitals or sex acts. That means the same parents who were filing challenges to books last school year can now file criminal complaints about them. But St. Louis Public Radio's Kate Grumke reports, in at least one Missouri school district, law enforcement got involved in this long before the new law went into effect. In response to the new law, librarians across Missouri have been going page by page through books. One librarian who wanted to remain anonymous sent a recording of the process to St. Louis Public Radio. You can hear them flipping through pages, looking for anything that could get them in legal trouble. But now St. Louis Public Radio has confirmed that well before the law was enacted, people had already been calling the police about books they thought were inappropriate. At least one police officer responded by visiting a librarian. The officer stationed at Wentzville's Liberty High School went to talk to the school's librarian about the books in her collection twice last school year. The officer is employed by both the Wentzville School District and the O'Fallon Police Department. An O'Fallon watch commander says the visits were for the officer's own understanding of the books the parents complained about. And a school district spokesperson characterizes the visits as, quote, informal conversations between two co-workers. But the librarian remembers the situation differently. She didn't want to be named because she's afraid for her safety. She told St. Louis Public Radio that she agreed the discussions were casual, but added that it felt, quote, scary and surreal to have a police officer walk into her library because someone accused her of giving pornography to kids. 
This happened at a time when Wentzville school board meetings had become very contentious, with parents showing up to denounce books. I'm going to read out loud some sexually explicit uh, content. I don't know how many more books are like that. We're going to find out. How can this be allowed? It is criminal. No further action was taken by the police department in response to the complaints, and no reports were filed. But a similar situation might go another way today because of Missouri's new law. If teachers, librarians, or other school officials are charged with giving a student a sexually explicit book, they could face up to a year in jail or a $2,000 fine. In the St. Louis area, at least seven school districts have removed almost 40 titles so far this year alone. The vast majority are illustrated novels. An internal document shows more than 200 books are being reviewed in the Wentzville School District because of the new law. Librarians worry this is a slippery slope. We do stand for intellectual freedom. We do stand for the freedom to read. Melissa Corey is president of the Missouri Association of School Librarians and says she and her colleagues go through a careful review process to make sure their books are age appropriate and represent diverse viewpoints. Reading is the most important way to develop empathy for others. Um, we have books being published by individuals that even 20 to 30 years ago would not have been published. So far, the majority of the books districts pulled were written by or about LGBTQ people or people of color. But the advocates for the new law say it's not about that. I don't care about sexual identity or sexual orientation. For me, that is not a factor. That's Andy Wells, president of the Missouri chapter of No Left Turn in Education. The national group has a rating system for books it considers inappropriate. Wells pushed for the new law but wants the Missouri legislature to go further than just visuals. He wants a law against written text he thinks is explicit. This is the first, I hope, of more legislation that will get graphic information out of children's hands. He's also been encouraging parents to go to the police about this. The O'Fallon Police Department says moving forward, these types of complaints will be handled by the school district. But in a statement, the St. Charles Prosecuting Attorney's Office seemed to suggest it would consider cases under this new law. The office's spokesperson said they will review a case's merits individually if law enforcement brings it to them. They said they wouldn't be establishing bright-line rules around the issue. I'm Kate Grumke, St. Louis Public Radio. Emporia State University has laid off 33 employees, including tenured faculty, in response to declining enrollment. Kansas News Service reporter Suzanne Perez spoke with editor Stephen Caranda about the cuts at Emporia State, how that stirred a revolt on campus, and what it might mean for other state schools in Kansas. Suzanne, give us some background here. What led up to these cuts? Well, it actually started back in January of 21. The Kansas Board of Regents approved what was essentially a short-term policy that allows universities to fire employees, including tenured faculty, without going through all the usual processes. So the policy was in response to the COVID pandemic, along with declining enrollment trends and pressure to hold down tuition. So universities have through December of this year to submit a plan for justifying any layoffs or program cuts. Emporia State submitted its proposal earlier this month, and it was approved unanimously by the Board of Regents. Why did Emporia State want to go this route with the cuts? 
President Ken Hush was appointed in June. But even before that, he was part of a task force looking at um, balancing the budget there. So he says the university has typically tried to do that by trimming every department and program, like across the board budget cuts. He called it death by a thousand cuts. So this time, he says they wanted to start from scratch, analyzing all of their program offerings. So here is what he told the Board of Regents. Use of this framework is not just another budget cutting exercise. Been there, done that numerous times. It will enable us to fundamentally change what we can offer our students, and that's exactly what we are going to do. It's worth noting, too, that on-campus enrollment at Emporia State is down more than 25 percent over the past five years. So leaders like Hush say this is a stopgap measure uh, meant to prevent even more drastic cuts down the line and possible tuition hikes. Some have even said this could prevent a potential closure of the university. Do we know which people or which entire programs are being cut? Well, no, Stephen, we don't know much about that right now. Officials aren't saying who was terminated or which positions or even which majors or minors may go away. Student journalists at Emporia State have been tracking the layoffs in detail. Looking at that breakdown, it's clear that the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences was hit the hardest. There were 33 job cuts and 23 were from that college. So faculty members tell me they were called into meetings and told their positions are being eliminated. Um, They'll work through May and they'll get three months severance pay after that. Now nearly all of the dismissed faculty were tenured or on a tenure track and some had 20 years or more experience at the university. I know that's part of the reason this is getting so much attention. How does tenure work and why is bypassing that such a concern for some people? Well, as you know, tenure is this long-standing practice in higher education that's meant to protect academic freedom. So tenured professors can only be fired for justifiable cause or extreme circumstances. It's usually a lengthy process with lots of hearings. So this new regents policy essentially guts that process. So faculty across Kansas and really across the country are protesting this move. They say Emporia State is violating the agreement they made with faculty when they were hired. Opponents of this policy also say the cuts could affect students whose programs could be cut. Here's Chase Bellingham. He's a sociology professor at Wichita State, and he spoke recently during a faculty senate meeting. These students were recruited by the university. They were admitted to the university, and the university took their money to come to that institution to, to sit in classes for five weeks and then to hear that their professors had been fired. Um, that, that sounds very much like a sort of bait and switch uh, situation to me. What about those students? What happens to them if their entire major is eliminated? Emporia State officials say students will be able to finish out their degrees. The big question, though, is how will that happen if instrumental faculty are gone? They could hire visiting professors to finish out certain courses, and it's possible that even professors who were laid off will be offered those short-term contracts. That's education reporter Suzanne Perez speaking with Stephen Caranda. The Kansas News Service reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Dan Margulies. To read Suzanne's story about layoffs at Emporia State and Kate's story about banning books in Missouri schools, visit kcur.org, where you can find more Kansas and Missouri news from Kansas City's NPR station. 
On Monday, we'll explain why it's been so hard to get Republican political candidates on our air. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. Every episode of A People's History of Kansas City dives deep into a particular person's story, and there's over like 20 other episodes ready for you to check out right now. Like one about a Wyandotte woman who fought to protect the sacred burial ground, or about how Walt Disney's best friend actually first drew Mickey Mouse, but he didn't get all the glory. And there's a lot more stories just like those ready for you to enjoy in the People's History of Kansas City Vault. Check it out.